0: I used to sit in the preschool in tears.
1: All the man really has to do on the day of birth is find a good parking spot.
2: (laughs) Dad, Dad, catch this. Boom, I a poo. Stop stabbing your sister. From the news desk to the nursery. Mum! This is The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt.
0: Once a week, for 30 minutes, we give parents a platform. We invite one mum and one dad into the studio to voice their opinions without interruption at least from children, the adults can interrupt themselves, um, and probably less than they get at home. So joining us this week are parents Georgie Dent. She's a journalist with Fairfax, and mum of three, and Seamus Byrne, who is um, from Science Alert and dad of two. Hello, how are you both? Good. I was just I stumbled on where you're from, Seamus, because we've decided you're now our tech whiz.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, can we call you that? Uh, yeah, that's right. See, that's it's fine. easier. Yeah, I'm used to
0: that. <laughs> tech and science whiz. All right, our topics today are... I feel like I need to apologise, but the first is Barnaby Joyce and the story that will just not go away. We're also going to talk about the most disastrous thing your child did when your back was turned, how you talk to your kids about work and how do you handle the winners and losers at a birthday party. In just a moment, we're going to be talking about Barnaby.
2: Their illicit love affair rocked Australia. We can't help you fall in love with I failed. I failed. I failed. I failed. I failed.
0: You please, please be quiet. You no, know, you listen to the start that the illicit love affair, and you think it's got to be a parody, but that is actually <laughs> the advertisement for this Sunday night's. Yes, and interview. it is actually
2: true. This affair <laughs> has rocked the nation. <laughs>
0: when you say that, because uh, we were sitting there, and Elise, our producer, was sitting there going, "Wow." there are a few things that have rocked my world and I'm not sure that this affair has has been one of them, but you're right. I mean, everyone is still so fascinated with that, you know, and I, the whole story people are wrapped up in and, and part of our conversation at that point when we decided it hadn't rocked Elise's world. So what is it that is hooking people into this story? And one of my colleagues said, everyone loves a train wreck. Yeah. So people are watching that. Um, I have to admit, I actually want to watch it. I'm sure I'll need a little sick bucket next to me while I yeah. watch it. But I want to watch it because I kind of think, well, uh, are they going to ask them any hard questions? Probably not. But just in terms of the hypocrisy, the flip-flopping around that we've seen of such a high-profile public figure as Barnaby Joyce, Um, So I'm kind of intrigued about what you guys think. Georgie, why do you think this fascination rolls on and on? And is it in the public interest now for Joyce to give his side of the story?
2: Look, I think there's a a number of reasons why there has been incredible interest in this story. I do think, though, this current phase of interest has only happened because they have decided to grant this interview. Mm. And... You know the the media storm when this initially was reported that you know that Vicky Campion was pregnant with Barnaby Joyce's child, and you know that was quite a big revelation. Particularly, I think, because he is a conservative politician who has, you know, traditionally been espousing views of you know traditional family values. So in that regard, there was a story. The fact he was also the deputy prime minister, and it happened with a member of his staff that he was also married at the time. There are all reasons why this was probably not ever going to be a personal, private matter. But I think that interest in the story had died down. And even I think when the baby was actually born, I don't think there was too much intrusion in their lives. Certainly it wasn't a story that was popping up on the homepage. It wasn't leading news bulletins, not at all, until last weekend when it was reported that there's a $150,000 media deal um, for this interview. My initial feeling was, as I felt during the reporting when it first happened, was the insensitivity is incredible because he does, Barnaby Joyce does have four other children, He has a wife, he's still not divorced as far as I'm aware, Um, you know, a wife who supported him through his political career and she has spoken, you know, even when they were still together and so of the kids about the incredible toll that that role of his has taken on their family and I think just in light of that, I just am not sure why this next instalment is necessary Mm. beyond the fact that for some reason, whether he can admit it or not, I think Barnaby does like being the The centre centre of of attention. Yes, and that (laughs)
0: was shifting away from him, wasn't it? I think
2: so. You know, and he has. He has been demoted fairly significantly because of it. You know, he was a deputy prime minister, member of cabinet. Now he's a backbencher. um, And there has been less interest in him. So
0: it just seems strange as well that if you pick up on the things that he has said publicly, all these things happen. And then Vicky Campion seems to get the blame for every bad thing he's done. Like... He's even questioned the paternity of the child. And then he said this interview was her idea. Like, Seamus, what's your approach on this? I mean, it just seems like he's being so misogynistic at the same time as going, I'm going to step out and Uh, and ruin it. And
2: being, sorry to step in here, my final observation is that he's completely unwilling to accept responsibility for any of this. Any of it. Any of it. The hurt or the... and, and, And saying, you know, as he did initially, privacy, I'm entitled to privacy and it's you know, there were very clear reasons why he is not a private citizen, so wasn't entitled to the same privacy that you or I might be, given we're, in, you know, we're not in public office. Um, but I think those comments about saying, when pushed, oh, well, it was Vicky's idea, again, you just think, is there anything, is there any decision that you have made in this scenario, Barnaby, where you actually take responsibility?
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah. And look, that that's exactly where I felt like it, it actually has been more of a media industry type story than... Yeah, then just this kind of a politician in trouble type story because he has tried to defend his privacy when it has suited him to do so. And yet we then suddenly arrived at this moment where he's taking, you know, a six figure sum to offer an interview while simultaneously trying to actually file an action against News Limited for (laughs) revealing private... It's like, well, if it's only ever information on your terms when you can make money doing so, and you're a senior politician... Like this is not okay, and that's the part of it that has absolutely kind of blown my mind again and again. You know, you're right earlier, Georgie. When I didn't, when I heard about the hundred fifty thousand dollars, I was like, "Is the baby born yet or not?" Like, I I didn't even remember when that happened mm. because mm. it had faded away, mm. and then suddenly it became massive news again because there was a paycheck attached to an interview, not because of the interview by itself. You know, mm. that people would have gone, "Oh, okay, well, let's hear the story," but the idea that you know that he's taking this kind of money to then come forward means, well, every moment of privacy up until now has almost been about making sure he could make good money at mm. the end of finally coming forward with his story.
0: Now, this might seem like a ridiculous proposition here, but um, someone did write in the Herald this week that we're forgetting the responsibility of the media organisations in the sense of checkbook journalism. So obviously this is probably going to be the most watched interview this year, I would say, up until now for sure. Mm, mm. Um, and I can't unfortunately remember who wrote this article, but they were saying, you know, that there's someone else in this party that's making this a story. And I'm wondering, this is the ridiculous part of it, But what is our responsibility as the media to understand at least that, okay, Barnaby was a public figure and all of that stuff was interesting, but now there is a newborn child who has no say whatsoever in how this is playing out. And dare I say it, I don't know Vicky Campion, but I remember what I was like when my baby was first born. I didn't know my head from my toes, so perhaps she's not in the right place frame of mind to be making these decisions either. And I don't know, should we have if you know, in the worlds the best world we could have, should the media be more responsible in this case?
2: Well I think so. But I, I also think it is necessary to highlight here that this is not just you know, it is really unprecedented for a sitting politician to be paid for an interview because as a lot of people have pointed out, as a politician part of your job is to engage with the media. And, and when there's a cheque of this sum being handed over, that's incredibly problematic. Um, I think that it's really difficult. Um, to, I mean, I think, yes, in an ideal world, should anyone pay for this interview? No. And I would say in part that is because, yes, there is a newborn um, in this equation. But I would actually say that his other four children and his wife are equally important. Absolutely. And I think that they, they stand to sort of suffer as much as... The newborn potentially will in the future, Um, you
0: know. I mean, and they're suffering now. The newborn they're suffering right now,
2: and I mean, I I haven't actually seen the interview, but I have seen commentary from journalists who have seen a preview of it, and they do talk about confrontations with Barnaby's um, wife, Natalie, and I just think this is so incredibly insensitive. And I and I think, look, as adults, we all know marriages break down. That happens. Families break down. We are human beings and we are fallible and we make mistakes. And I think, obviously, Barnaby Joyce is not the first father in the world to you know, have, have an affair and he certainly won't be the last. But I think that it's beholden on us to expect a higher standard from, from all of us, not just elected officials, but to be conscious, OK, if you've made a mistake, what is the damage? What can you limit? And I think that absolutely the damage to external parties here could have been limited a lot more than it has been.
0: Okay. I don't think I'm going to watch it now.
2: (laughs) Thank you for pointing me in the right direction,
0: Georgie. (laughs) I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation, where we invite two parents to the studio to get their thoughts on the stories and events of the week. Today, I'm joined by Georgie Dent. She's a journalist with Fairfax and Seamus Byrne from Science Alert. Next, what is the craziest thing your child has done when your back was turned? For rescue in Paris, an immigrant
1: from Mali is being called a real-life Spider-Man After he rescued a child dangling from a balcony Mahmoudou Gassama, that's his name, scaling four floors Pulling himself up from balcony to balcony Until he makes it to the four-year-old and
2: pulls him to safety from midair
0: by now, most of us have probably seen the incredible video of the Malian man who basically scaled an apartment block to rescue a four-year-old boy who was hanging from a fourth-floor story. Every parent watching that would just have been feeling sick. Now, um, apparently, the boy's father was had, had actually left the apartment and left the window open. So this was potential. This is not exactly what we're talking about here, but it does. Um, make me think of those times when you literally turned your back for a minute and then your child's doing something disastrous. A more uh, benign example of this is this week, Lucy in our office showed us a video of, she, she had decided that for the first time ever, she was going to shut the door in the bathroom and have a shower. And then she came out and her son had grabbed the talcum powder and it just basically the house was like snow. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, Definitely not as frightening as a child. You know, that's not frightening at all. But they can get up to some crazy stuff in very short periods of time. Georgie, what's the most dramatic thing? You've got three to choose from. Yeah, (laughs) I I do. do. (laughs) So surely you've got at least one story. Well, look, I mean, I do
2: have to admit that all three of our kids have fallen off the bed at one point when we turned our heads. Yeah, You know, that, that absolutely happened. I think in our house, we're always on high alert if there's silence because usually that means there's, there's trouble. Someone's really up to something. Um, we actually haven't had anything hugely dramatic. We've had funny things. I mean, you know, a jar of pawpaw cream basically, you know, put through the hair. And oh. let me tell you, that stuff does not come out <laughs> quickly. Um, the other, okay, the other sort yes. of quite funny thing, and I actually can't remember whether maybe I said this another time, but we had just set up some new star charts for each of our older two girls. And... Um, Literally walked out of the room for about five minutes, and I came back, and my middle child announced that her star chart was completed, and she had taken the stickers off all the apples and the mandarins in the fruit bowl, <laughs> and put them on. So she was like, "It's ready for my reward." Me. Now and I was like, mm. "Hand it over." Very optimistic, but no, not stars. Those, I know that yeah. comes from that apple. Yeah, she's like, "But it's a sticker." Um, yeah, so but falling off the bed is probably the worst thing that has happened. Yeah. And, you know, it happens quickly. I, I was in the room for two that happened under my care. I was, you know, about thirty centimeters from them I turned and then they rolled. And there's
0: off. nothing like that feeling in your heart.
2: You just like, oh, in your stomach, everything.
0: Yeah. How about you, Seamus?
1: Yeah. Look, uh, and one thing I'll point out about the uh, the incident in in Paris, as you're a tech expert, by thank the way, thank you, thank um, you, was that actually it, it was found out that the father wasn't just down the shops, but he also decided to stop for a quick bit of Pokemon Go, no! uh, which you know I think has really Ooh. put him in oh. serious trouble. It Hashtag
0: wasn't... parent fail. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, but
1: in our house, we are probably the Big one was when our eldest, who um, you know, he was about sixteen months at the time, and we were moving house. And of course, there's just a thousand things going on. It was the day that the movers are in, and so everything's coming and going. Every door is open. Uh, you know, everything's sort of happening. And suddenly, there was just this moment where we just hadn't clocked him for thirty seconds, and suddenly it's like, where's where is he? Where, what's what's happened? And so we're suddenly running around and looking. Walk out the front door, and we our um our driveway is quite steep, and so the, uh the the removalists had this like you know just quite a narrow wooden board running up into the back of the truck, <laughs> and. Uh, next thing you know, I've kind of spotted that, uh, Oscar's just kind of wandering, wandering, drinking a bottle at the same time. Uh, again, 16 months old, wandering <laughs> up this narrow board into the back of the truck. Just like, <laughs> oh, just looking around, just, just having a look.
0: Is that, like, this is how I'm getting to the new place Yeah, Dad, clearly.
1: Yeah. Everything's going in here. Oh, I, I want one of the toys that's already in here or something like that. Who knows what wow. was going on, but, but he would, had never been that sort of a kid to just go wandering. So it was just fascinating that suddenly, yeah. out of the blue, it was like he's halfway down the driveway and into the back of the truck. So quick.
2: And <laughs> only 16 months. They are so
0: quick. I remember mean, one of the things that happened with Darcy was um, she was, we were trying to get her to sleep. We had a one bedroom with a little sunroom, and she was in the sunroom. And I tried, you know, you try so hard to make it blacked out and we mm. I, and we had no doors to shut on her. So I, for some reason, thought two curtains would block out the sound. No. Anyway, I put her in the cot in one of those sleep suits, like not a sleep suit, a sleeping bag that yeah. clips at the yeah. top. Yep. So her legs weren't free. And I think she was uh, about a year old here. And um, I was walking out of the room and then I just heard this thump and I turn around and I'm racing back in thinking, I mean, the cot was up. And she had; she was standing on her feet with her arms out, looking completely surprised, crying her little eyes out. She'd somehow managed to flip over the cot and land on her feet. <laughs> that was when co-sleeping began in earnest, <laughs> when no more broken arms. Um, so you're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. In a moment, our kids just want us to be with them, and work can be a foreign concept when you're only about two or three. So how do you talk to your children about work? Showing them that work can be more than money is really important and a way that we can be role models and you know, living, breathing examples of people with big dreams and, um, and putting them into place. That was Prue Gilbert from The Grace Papers. This week she was talking to us about how you talk about your kids uh, talk with your kids about the work that you do and you can hear the full interview on kindling conversation if you want to check it out on our website but it it got me thinking about how i explain work to my kids so i went back to work quite gradually part time and only this year has my husband been working full time uh, and it's been an adjustment for everyone, but children in particular can you know especially when they don 't want to go to daycare or they don't want to go to school and you 've had a really nice weekend with them they're like why are you why are you going to work?" And I always used to say it's how we buy your hot chocolates <laughs> obviously I think <laughs> that's I mean, so it's true it's true it is true, <laughs> but it feels like um I mean work so much more than that isn't it otherwise we probably wouldn't well i mean we have we all have to work, but Some of us are lucky enough to work in areas that we love. Georgie, have you ever had to explain your work to your kids?
2: I have. So our um, our older two girls, who are now eight and five eight as of just Saturday gone, be birthday. um, Thank you. uh, Are really very curious about everything in the world at all times, and so they have been asking a lot of questions about my work and my husband's work from really early on, and we haven't quite got it right, I don't think. You know, there's been a lot of times when, you know, we have obviously made the point that it is so that we can have money so that we can, you know, live in the house that we live in and buy food and, you know, they can do sport and all of that sort of thing. But there have been times when, you know, one of them has said, oh, you know, we have so much money because you know, daddy works really hard. It's like, oh, well, it doesn't actually, you know. Well, one time one of them had thought they'd lost their library book and was saying to the other one, don't worry, daddy's got so many coins because he worked this weekend, so he'll be able to replace it. It's like, yeah, it doesn't um, – so I have tried to make the point. My husband works in health care, and that's an easier argument, uh, you know, an easier justification, I think, that we can say he helps people or he fixes people. Um, my work, obviously, I try to hope that it might – of course um, useful, Which I actually do. I do believe that it is. And they know that I interview people, that I write different stories. They know when I'm in the newspaper. Um, but I haven't quite got the explanation right, I don't think, for sort of the broader discussion around purpose, that it's not just for the money, but equally that the money is actually critically important because there wouldn't be food, <laughs> there wouldn't be a car, there wouldn't be...
0: And it teaches know. them to value your time as well, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm saying that as someone who has certainly not been able to convey that to my
2: children. Yeah, look, we can all live in hope. (laughs) Yes, that's (laughs) right. That we will convey these messages. How about you, Seamus?
1: Um, I... In my wider family, I've actually been sort of used by other um, parents of sort of cousins and things uh, as like a, a, a good example because of the fact that I do get to play with gadgets and, and all sorts of tech toys and even video games. You know, particularly, a lot of my family are in Ireland. And there's actually been a couple of times where I've managed to duck over to Ireland off the back of you know going to visit a video game company in Europe. Uh, you know, to write a sort of big article about something that they might be doing. And so then, of course, you know, one of the parents will be sitting there and, and they'll say, now, can you tell your cousin Will what what why you're able to be here right now? You know, and it's like, oh, because I've, you know, been been in Europe to cover video games. And they're like, oh, wow, you're, like, you get to do things about video games. But then they're like, now, how did you get that job? And it's like, well, I, I studied really hard. I didn't
0: complain in the morning. I put my shoes on on time.
1: Yeah. So th- there's that big part of trying to use it as thing. I get to do fun things attached to my job. And it's because of all this hard work that I did to make sure in an incredibly competitive industry that I kind of got to do this really cool stuff. Now, I think with my, my own kids, um, they can be hilariously, you know, uncaring about the fact that, you know, just it's fundamental that it, other people might think that you have a cool job, but yes. your own kids will never think that it's particularly... That's quite true, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I, I kind of run into that one sort of fairly regularly. Even recently, you know, I've been here before to chat about esports type things. My son decided to write a speech about esports uh, at at school recently. And when I said, oh, do you, do you want some help? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm fine. And I was like... <laughs> I'm like an expert in this stuff. You don't <laughs> want my help. This is my moment. <laughs> I'm here for you.
2: Actually, the one line of work, because I do do a little bit of speaking work and MC work, and that is the one job, particularly my eldest, for the last couple of years, she is like, you get to be the boss and the whole room has to listen to you. Ah. And I say I'm the MC, and that is just, that rocks her world. Her, her face lights up. That's probably the only part of my job where <laughs> she thinks, oh, yeah, that.
0: But you know the I think the other key thing about what you're saying is um, tying your enjoyment of work back to school because there's often you know my daughter's 6 and she's often saying I don't want to go to school why can't you homeschool me yeah right
1: <gasps> like that's ever
0: going to happen but at the same time it's like well I try to say I've tried to say well you go to school so you can do things and then you finally get a job that you enjoy but then you're um you're actually living both of you are living walking examples of jobs that you enjoy because you worked hard at it and that can relate back to school so that's what i'm taking away from, <laughs> from this parent panel okay up next uh, our final topic for today how do you choose winners and lo- losers at a birthday party
2: you're listening to Kindly conversation My string The birthday
1: parties today? Everything's not always about winning and losing.
2: This is the worst birthday ever! So you get nothing! You lose!
0: Good day, sir! I have, before we get into this, I do have to mention that it is Kindling's third birthday happy, happy hey. birthday Kimberly. <laughs> I can't believe it's been three years it also coincides with my son's fourth birthday he was about four months when I started here so his birthday was Friday last week oh. so just a day before your door yes um, but we were away so his birthday party is tomorrow and I already have a slight headache thinking about <laughs> it and as much as I struggle to put on birthday parties I love that my kids have them I feel like it's mm. something that I had growing up mm. makes them special makes them feel special I should say. And it's just a part of childhood. So every year I make them a cake with the help and support of Cakes to the Rescue. Look them up if you haven't heard (laughs) of them. They are brilliant. Um, But the thing that I really struggle with is how to entertain children. Uh, And of course, how to entertain them without making them cry would be preferable. So then what do you do with Pass the Parcel if you decide that every child gets... And I did consider doing this, by the way. I'm like, Will we do Pass the Parcel? And then I thought of the stress of having to stop the music on each child. So no one, and then looking at that <laughs> child who's the last child to get a gift thinking, oh, I'm not going to get a gift. Go, no, you will. You will. Just wait until <laughs> Katy Perry gets around another loop. And then I thought, no, I can't deal with that. So um, how do you do these things? Because, you know, someone was saying that some people play musical chairs where, they never lose a <laughs> chair they just keep going around. And
2: I'm like, that's not even
0: remotely fun. Uh, and my sister did say to me at one point when I was having this angsty thought overthinking the birthday party games, she said, you know, we have every day of the year to teach our children how to lose well. Why do it at a birthday party? I'm still in a conundrum though, so I'm curious to know how you guys might handle this situation. Georgie, mm. what, did you, what do
2: you do? Look, I, there's a lot of acceptance I think on my part, we're like you, we really do like having birthday parties for the kids. So we've all pretty much always done it. Um, and I mean, you know, that whole thing about the child who's crying on their own birthday party, it's just so true and it doesn't matter what you do and I feel like having some appreciation and expectation of that is useful. Okay, I can okay, I actually with that. I also remember that from my own experience as a child that at my own parties but also at other people's parties, it was very normal for there to be kids crying. At every single party that I've ever hosted there is someone crying at some point. Which is actually not unlike life. Because I feel
1: like your party is never as good as you it's gonna be in your head. You know, no, like, you're not like making me cannot, feel any better about no, tomorrow. cannot live up to the <laughs> expectation in your own head for how awesome your party is going to be.
2: Yeah, but it's, actually, can I say, we had this situation last weekend, so it was our eldest, it was her birthday, and she had asked, she wanted to go out for for dumplings because she absolutely loves dumplings. So we went out for dinner on the Friday night, and it was absolutely miserable. The our baby, our toddler, who's usually an absolute liability out in public, was completely happy and sat there and ate, literally just ate a bowl of noodles without making a noise. No! Our middle child was perfectly well behaved and the birthday girl was absolutely miserable. She just, it, and I was like, why? <laughs> and I think it's that thing of there being so much build up around it. But on Sunday, we took a couple of her friends to a tree climbing place that I'd heard of Ooh. and it was hands down the best kids' party I've ever done. Well because done. they were active, they weren't winners or losers, Yes, and they had so much fun. And she, and she actually enjoyed it. So I feel like she got all of her expectation rage and you know, <laughs> dissonance on out night. on the Friday night oh. when my husband and I were looking at each other thinking, why? Got, I've got why? to do something tonight,
0: haven't I? It's yeah, there too you go. late. <laughs> well, the, the problem, we're talking about expectations. Poor little Arlo. I know he's four, but boys do take a little while to catch up to girls and... Somewhere along the line, others decided that his birthday party is like his birthday, like it's his fake birthday, so that oh. he was actually expecting us to get him more presents. He got all his presents last Friday, but apparently tomorrow. And I and I was just sitting there going, oh, honey. yeah, oh, It's going to be hard. The-
1: <laughs> just get him a kinder surprise, you know. You
0: a friend of mine said, oh, she texted me and went, oh, I'm so sorry. I, my son's chosen Nerf gun for him, and I don't know if you're into that. And I was like, thank God, you bought him a Nerf gun because everyone, he really wants one, and (laughs) I really can't be getting him another one. (laughs) So, so, uh, Seamus, how about you? How does it work?
1: Yeah, look, uh, actually, musical chairs, great example. Uh, A friend of mine uh, actually does kind of really cool um, music workshop type things. And she came up with a great system where as the chairs are removed, the kid that, actually gets knocked out joins in with like playing like a tambourine or something and so they're kind of like cheering <gasps> oh, on yes. what's going on and it gives them something to do on the sideline and i think those kinds of things of still making it, that someone's going to win, but that there is that element of going... You're not of just going, kicked out in the cold. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Not just like, now sit over there and wait. Yes. Um, I think that kind of thing can be really good. But, you
2: rock. I'm so oh, using that tomorrow. The, <laughs> other, the other little tip for Pass the Parcel that my sister taught me was that she actually, one year, and this is actually as much about efficiency as anything else, because you still have to go through the process of kids waiting for their turn, but getting one of those boxes from the $2 shop and filling it with... Little knickknacks. So then they pass the box around. They open it oh, up and they each pick something out. That is so and, efficient. And then you oh, don't gosh. need to do all of the wrapping and the unwrapping. And, and it's better and for still the get environment. Them. Yeah, but they still have the fun of having their turn. Yeah. But I think somehow seeing that everyone's going to get something when they open the box, they can be a little bit more mm. patient, oh. perhaps.
1: Because we've generally focused on theming our parties. Yeah, that's been a sort of a big angle that we've gone with, and like, and that way it gives us some structure to kind of work with. Um, and, you know, and we've kind of almost done like on and off where small gathering with friends where they're just kind of hanging out, watching movies and stuff like that and just having a nice time together and then doing the big party type thing. And exactly, yeah, finding a place where you can go, where they worry about the details that like where you go bowling or you go, obviously bowling might be a bit much for the really little ones, but finding those ways to kind of, you know, make an event that means there's, there can be a bunch of activities, but, uh, yeah, by giving it a bit of an angle, you know, like whether it's the dress up type thing or something, then it just means I think that people are kind of feeling like, well, it's it's a celebration of stuff and we can play some games and things, but it's it's not then about what do I go home with or, you know, all those yeah, kinds no, of things. Don't yeah, don't start
0: me on the lolly bags. I plan those for weeks. <laughs> anyway, I'm, we've run out of time, but um, I'm sorry to those at home. I am now going to wrap up and take Georgie and Seamus aside to get more party tips so that tomorrow is a success. <laughs> (laughs) Georgie, Seamus, thank you so much for coming in.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: That was Georgie Dent, journalist with Fairfax, and Seamus Byrne from Science at
2: You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel, new episodes every Friday.